The limit of knowledge is that which is described in Srimad Bhagavatam. Of course, there is no limit to knowledge because knowledge about Krishna, the Supreme Unlimited, there's no end to that. But as far as learning goes, the ultimate limit is given in Srimad Bhagavatam. Here we see in Srimad Bhagavatam not only knowledge of our transcendental relationship with Krishna, but also all knowledge for the advancement and betterment of human society. Traditionally, of course, the Bhagavatam commenters, they would not have gone so much into describing how men and women should be combined in marriage because that was part of the culture in Indian life or in Vedic society, Varnashram society. And that was well known to all. Many of the points which Prabhupada explains to us in detail, they were well known to all in the Vedic times or followers of the Bhagavad philosophy. Just like we see even in the Bhagavatam, in the ninth canto, there is a descri- summary description of Lord Ramachandra's pastimes. Where Shukadeva Goswami says to Parikshit Maharaj that you've already heard this many times because everybody knew. And people would discuss just in the course of ordinary activities, people in uh, traditional Vedic society, still now you find few, very few Vaishnavas families or Vaishnavas gurukuls. In the course of ordinary conversation they will discuss, oh yes, just like Ram said to Sita at that time, or just like Sita said to Ram. Because it's understood, everyone knows. The background is there, a very solid background of Vedic culture. So this uh, Vedic culture, that was one of Prabhupada's points, to re-establish this. What Prabhupada is discussing here, what he discusses throughout his books and his conversations, is something quite different from the culture that we in the West have been brought up with. And Prabhupada is talking about women being submissive, the marriage being arranged, uh, all these things. It's, it's an anathema to people brought up in the modern society, that the marriage should be arranged. But uh, actually, all of, in, still in traditional cultures all over the world, it's still very strict. They, I was reading recently about uh, one Muslim was saying that uh, he was living in Israel, Arab living in Israel. He's saying that that the uh, the Israelis they won't dis- they won't destroy us. They won't destroy us by their guns. They won't su- make us to submit by their guns. But they'll spoil our culture. They'll ch- they'll spoil our culture by their educational system. Our girl, he said they'll turn all our girls into prostitutes. In the in the schools, they're all mixed up girls and boys, and they're taught modern dance and all different kinds of things. And this will this will spoil our culture. In this way, they will spoil us. So still, all over the world, in traditional cultures, it was very strict, all these points, how men and women should mix, actually very limited mixing. And that also, under restrictions, not only for brahmacharis, but for krihastas also. I remember reading when I was a child, what was that? Someone was saying that someone, 
someone is living, an Irish, someone from Ireland had emigrated to New Zealand and they wrote a letter back home saying, well, now I'm going to get married to this such and such a girl. And they got a letter back saying, well, you can do whatever you like, but you're not my son anymore. You can't just arrange your own marriage. He's living on the other side of the world. But still they were thinking that, no, everything should be done under the direction of the parents. Because actually young people, especially when people are very young, even from the material point of view, not to speak of transcendental knowledge, but even from the material point of view, young people tend to be foolish. They tend to uh, act impulsively on the basis of what, if it feels good, do it, on the basis of the senses. Therefore, those who are older, of course, now, nowadays those who are older, they were brought up without any culture, so they don't know anything anyway. But previously, uh, people were brought up in such a way they were trained in social behavior that the whole society all over the world was based on God consciousness. So people were brought up in such a way that they could live a reasonably sane kind of life as much as possible in this insane world and uh, live peacefully, uh, get, get married and stay married. There was no question. They would say in the, in the Christian right, till death us do part. Now, till death or divorce us do part, and most likely divorce. Uh, this is those who bother even to get married, or those who, even those who get married, those who bother to get married in a church. They will say, till death us do part, not till divorce us do part. We'll live happily ever after until my next marriage. Uh, I'm getting married now, but I was thinking of getting married to the other girl, and probably I will afterwards, I'll ditch this one. So this uh, modern society, so-called civilization, mm. as Prabhupada notes here, is not actually human society because they're not actually humans. As Prabhupada says here, uh, children produced in the modern age are not exactly human beings. Prabhupada used to say that two-legged animals. I mean, he would say that modern so-called civilized man is lower than the lowest animal. Why is that? He, he gave the example, if, if you kill your mother and you kill your child, what kind, of a, what kind of a person are you? They're not even a human being. Even the animals, even the tigers and lions, the ferocious animals, they don't do that. So, they're being brought up in a subhuman society. And you'll find in Vedic culture there's description of Bheel, or those who dwell in the jungle, and no culture. It's, it's, it's expected among such people they may do such things. Uh, not, not even that they won't kill their own children or their mother but uh, such things they, they may wantonly have sex outside marriage and produce more aborigines like themselves but those who are civilized yeah, abor- Beel means jungle dweller aborigines and you'll see their facial features doing black and fierce looking so actually those who are from the Aryan race those who are from Europe, Prabhupada described, they are Aryan race. They're supposed to be, and they are, physically they're descended from the Aryans of India. Aryan doesn't exactly mean, as Hitler thought, a certain racial group. But it means those who are advanced in culture. But that came to be known as the people who are living in India. And they came to these western countries being chased away by Parashuram, some of the Kshatriyas came to the western countries and they 
started some kind of civilization, something resembling civilization. So actually people were born in these countries. They're supposed to be civilized, but due to lack of contact with Vedic culture and over many, many years, of course this is a great historical understanding that uh, according to some historians previously the uh, the inhabitants of the British Isles, the Celts and the Druids, they followed a culture which was very similar to the Vedic culture. This, uh, when I came to Ireland in, when was that, in about 1976, it must have been, 76, 77, our devotees, they were visiting the professors in the universities for selling sets of Prabhupada's books. And they met, I think it was in Trinity College, they met one professor whose life's scholastic career was investigating the similarities between the Vedic culture and the ancient Irish culture. And I remember selling uh, this Ishopanishad to farmers in the, from the western part of Ireland. And some of them would say, just read this. And I'd say, Ishava, Semidam, Sarva. So what language is that? Is that Irish or what is that? They were thinking it was very similar to our language. So uh, actually originally the culture all over the world was Vedic culture, but in this country what happened in the name of Christianity, it's a long history which we need not be so much concerned with, but it appears, it's very difficult to say exactly what happened, but it appears that Christianity, the institution of Christianity was taken over by pagans. By pagans means, uh, of course, they call the pagans the Druids and the Celts, and the, but actually those who were total materialists, people who were totally materialistic, took over Christianity and destroyed the original Vedic culture, which was spread, maybe not in its highest form, but that was spread all over Europe. So uh, they introduced meat-eating, intoxication, uh, non-belief in reincarnation and uh, philosophical ideas developed, so-called philosophical ideas developed from that which were totally divorced from reality. Uh, just like we see the, the uh, Aquinas, he was uh, Aquinas and uh, Augustine, they were the two, they're the two uh, pillars of Catholic philosophy, but they uh, spiritually they are quite ignorant. They don't they don't know what is the difference between the soul and the body. So they propagated so many ideas. So even some spirituality was coming through, but later that was found to be uh, inconsistent with what they understood in terms of science, and therefore they threw the whole thing out and they introduced new gurus such as Freud, Darwin, and Marx who said, we have the solutions to all your problems. God is not the solution. You need to, you need to listen to us. We will tell you. What is your problem? You're, you're having all these problems, all these mental problems, because you're descended from monkeys and you have some monkey instinct in you. Therefore, you have to express that by beating someone over the head. Or, or you don't, you're, not, you're suppressing your sexual desires. And according to Freud, all problems are caused because you're suppressing your sexual desires. According to Krishna, all your problems are coming because you are 
too much full of sexual desire. The, the enemy is love. This is psychology that is also there. Here we see uh, there is description of psychology, how to manage, how to manage the marriage of boys and girls. Prophet gave a whole lecture on this once in London, Bhagavad Gita class. Uh, that was titled in the Tate Ministry of Prabhupada that was given the title The Psychology of Chastity so he described how a young girl before she comes to maturity she should be married so she knows this is my husband she becomes attached to him and therefore the anxiety in her mind is subdued and she fixes her mind on that person and in this way uh, throughout life she won't think of anybody else and of course She's trained from childhood. The girls they hear from their grandmothers, uh, very much needed in human, human society, grandmothers, uh, who have been through all the different problems and they just, okay, it's all right. Don't, don't get too upset. Give assurance. Uh, teach you how to cook chapatis and how to deal with your husband and all these different things. So the grandmothers would teach the young girls, the granddaughters, what is the character of Sita? What is the character of Kunti, Dhopadi? In this way, they have an ideal to look up to. Uh, this, their ideal of the young girl as they're growing up is Sita, especially Sita, or Kunti, Dhopadi, Savitri. Uh, these are their ideals, not uh, Madonna or some... Actually, just complete prostitute. This is the young girls they're imitating. And uh, how will they grow up? They'll grow up complete prostitutes. And then, at this birth, Prabhupada was commenting on, what is that? Uh, Jayate Ivana Sankaraha. When the women are polluted, then what kind of children will be produced? They'll be produced uh, not exactly human beings, as Prabhupada says here. Not exactly human beings. So what do you expect? Therefore, so many points. Prabhupada was teaching all the different economic system of society, uh, social system of society, how we should live. What is the economic system? You'll go to, you can go to university and study economics. And every year, big, big books, so many books are produced. Economics, business studies, commerce. You can go to university, different theories, how to adjust the, to get a loan here, in, increase the interest rate here, huh? Uh, introduce a new kind of product here, a very complex economic system. A Prabhupada, he gave the economic system, you live on the land, you have cows, you produce your own food, you produce your own clothes, you produce everything you need, and you chant Hare Krishna. This is the economic system. This will solve all the economic problems. You don't have to have conference, big conference, Bill Clinton, Boris Yeltsin, all fly in, discuss everything, get drunk together, and go home, and and then uh, give a new economic five-year plan, ten-year plan, twenty-year plan. In the meantime, they all died, and someone else came in. Someone else came in with a new plan, and uh, everything is, is just extremely complex, and no one knows what's going on, and they're, they're predicting the whole world economic system will collapse. But the, this economic system, that will never collapse. Land, cows, Krishna. That's all. That's all you need. You need clothes? There are sheep. You can take the wool. There's flax. You can make. Or cotton. You can make. You live at home. 
spin. Do it. And you're in Chan Hare Krishna. What more do you need? They will think this is very primitive. We have to be advanced. We have to have big, big factories with pollution. And then we will be advanced. Uh, it's not advanced. This is advancement in ignorance. So Prabhupada is giving a whole different culture, a whole different approach, uh, actually back to, rea- back to sanity. We're talking about going back to Godhead, but uh, practically how to establish Krishna consciousness in human society means back to sanity maybe. We should have a political party, the sanity party, because they're all insane, whatever they're saying. This party, that party, they're all madness. That's uh, Prabhupada is saying, what will they do in the United Nations? They want the United Nations bring them together for peace. It's not possible. Because they're all barking like dogs. Their consciousness is like that of a dog. This is my country. Just like you come past the house and the dog, look, look, this is my house. You don't come here. So certainly this is my country. <laughs> barking like... So if you put dogs together in a room, will you get peace? No, they'll just bark. Like animals, that's all. So you can't get peace in the United Nations. And you can't, either individually or collectively, you can't get peace unless you recognize Krishna. This is the peace formula. It works individually and it works on the, on the whole society level. Well, how do we get peace? What is the solution? You don't have to have big, big conferences. All you have to do is learn one verse from Bhagavad Gita. What is that verse? Who can say Bhuktaram Yagya Tapasam. Go on. Sarva Loka Maheshwaram. You can say if you know. Suharidam Sarva Bhutanam. Gyatvamam Shantim Richati. How to get peace? Just know. Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. I am not the supreme enjoyer. I am thinking I am the supreme enjoyer. That is the cause of all my problems because I can't enjoy. I want to have the whole world at my disposal to enjoy. I can't get it. Therefore I become frustrated. And even if I do get it, I'll still be frustrated because that is not my proper place for enjoyment. I'm not the enjoyer. I'm supposed to enjoy by serving Krishna, trying to make him happy. Then I become happy. So when I understand that everything's meant for Krishna, then I get peace. Because as long as we're thinking, let me enjoy this, let me enjoy that, let me enjoy this, let me... Why aren't I enjoying? Wow, he's, this person is stopping my enjoyment. All my problem is caused by this person. All my problem is caused by my wife, therefore... Throw her out. Divorce her. Or all my problems are caused by my husband. So, divorce him. Find another one. No, not the problem. The problem is that we are considering ourselves to be the enjoyer. We're not the enjoyer. Sarava Loka Maheshwaram. Krishna is the proprietor. I am not the proprietor. Stop trying to lord it over material nature. Krishna is this overlord. Everything is meant to be offered to him. But we are trying to accumulate. Let me get more and more and more. But this uh, simply causes frustration. And suharidam saravabhutanam. We want friendship, but we don't know that Krishna is our supreme friend. We're trying to get friendship in the mundane world on the I scratch your back, you scratch my back basis. I will give you some sense gratification. You give me sense gratification. But we have to understand that Krishna, he is our supreme friend. And if, if we know Krishna is protecting me, then what is the cause for disappointment? So just these three things we have to know. This is complete solution 
to all the political problems of the world, actually a solution to all the problems, is Krishna conscious. Whether you take economic problem, whether you take social problems, crime problem. This uh, one time in Chicago, Albert called one chief of police to discuss the, how to solve the crime problem. Father said, I can solve it. You just bring me all the criminals and we'll chant Hare Krishna and we'll give them prasad. And we'll, we'll stop them being criminals. That's all. It's what, why are people becoming criminals? Because they want to, they, they're being induced to enjoy, and, uh, enjoy it grossly, more and more and more and more. Consumeristic society means get money, buy something, buy something else. You'll see people they have in their houses, 50 shirts per person, 25 pairs of shoes, three cars per person, two TVs per person. What they'll do with two TVs, right? Maybe watch with each eye or something. You have to squint eyed or something. So many, you find people, especially coming from India, you see, or even from Russia, they don't do this. You go in people's houses in the West, maybe not in Ireland so much because the economic condition is not so developed, but you find people's houses just full of junk, so much junk. They buy all these electrical items that you never use them. They buy dozens of toys for their kids. Whenever they go shopping, they buy some new toy for their kids. They just, their houses, they have these huge houses and just rooms full of junk. Nonsense things they buy. And they feel, it's like some kind of addiction. They feel, I have to buy some, I have to spend some money. They feel, they feel good. I spend some money. And they just buy complete rubbish things. So the whole society is a society of complete madmen. But the solution is very simple. Chant Hare Krishna. This is the solution to all the problems. Whatever problems we may have, whatever problems society has, if we chant Hare Krishna, and not only that, but institute the Vedic culture, as Srila Prabhupada has described in his books, then there won't be any problems. Problems will be there, because the material world, the very nature is that it is full of problems. But if we understand that all these problems are temporary, therefore I sh whatever the problems are, they're not very significant. Whatever problems we have in this, may have in this material world, it's, it'll go away in course of time. And what problems do we have? Look at the problems Pallad Maharaj had. I mean, talk about child abuse. <laughs> you see, Pallad Maharaj, his father wasn't just giving him a slap now and then. He was going to throw him in the snake pit, give poison food, throw him off the edge of a cliff. Pallad Maharaj, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram. Hello, Father. He was so frustrated. Hiranyakashipu was totally frustrated because Pallad, he was trying to destroy him, but he couldn't destroy him. Pandavas, they, they were so noble. Here we have Yatashila, the Shila, the character was so good. They were first class rulers of the world, come from a great dynasty, sons of a great king, daughters of a great queen. But they had to suffer so much. Their kingdom was taken away. They were exiled in the forest. So many ways the Duryodhana's party tried to kill them. Their wife was insulted. But they, they knew. Anyway, Krishna is our friend. Krishna is our protector. Whatever happens, everything in this world is temporary. So let us practice our Krishna consciousness. So if one has that vision, the vision of eternity, I'm not this body. I'm not this mind. So whatever happens with this body and mind, 
That's all temporary. But anyway, let me go on chanting Hare Krishna. That is my eternal need. That is my eternal necessity. Whether I, whatever you feel like. Nowadays, people will say, what do you feel like? What are your feelings? What are your emotions? Analyze this, that, the other. Anyway, what does it matter? Whether you're hot or cold or you may feel a little down or you may feel a little lively or whatever it may be, you have to go on chanting Hare Krishna. That is for your eternal benefit. So, this Krishna consciousness is so simple, so straightforward. A uh, little common sense is needed, but the basic principles are so simple. But we are coming from such a complex background. We, we think that unless everything's very complex, unless I have a whole bunch of problems, there's something wrong with me. I, if you're just simple and chanting Hare Krishna, then, and there must be something wrong, what's, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong. Let, let me invent some problem. Make on, make some problem. But actually, life is meant to be lived very simply. Simple living and high thinking. High thinking doesn't mean to go inside our mind and screw it up in different ways with so many different theories. High thinking means to understand Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I am His eternal servant. Human life is meant for understanding Krishna. High thinking means to study Srimad Bhagavatam, to discuss Srimad Bhagavatam. High thinking doesn't mean to discuss all the theories of rascals who don't know anything about reality was simply expert in talking big long words, but they can't even solve their own problems. So how are they going to solve anyone else's problems? This whole society, they've simply made, they've made a complex society which is full of problems in every way. Pollution, so many, so many, so many problems. And then uh, someone is considered a great scholar if he gives some theory how to solve the problem. But here we have the ultimate solution. People don't want it. The ultimate solution is that just give up all these problems. Just give up identifying evil with them and understand that we're the eternal servants of Krishna. If we simply understand, Thakur says, that I'm not this body, I'm eternal spirit soul, Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead and I'm his servant. You just understand that and no more problems. All the problems are finished. Why? How can it be so easy? It is easy. Uh, that prophet said, as long as you're in this material world, there'll be so many difficulties. But as soon as you go back to Godhead, only bliss. Or in the spiritual world, In the spiritual world, talking is singing. Walking is dancing. Always there is the sound of Krishna's flute. So that is our hope, that is our prospect. Not, uh, of course, Marx, his idea was that religion is something for cheating people. You make people think, suffer now and you'll enjoy later. So therefore, the ruling classes, they said to the serf classes, okay, you suffer now and you'll enjoy later and we'll enjoy now at your expense. But uh, actually, it's, that may have been an exploitation and misuse of religion, but that doesn't change the fact that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We are His eternal servants. This material world is miserable, and our goal of life is to go back home, back to Godhead, go to Krishna. And if we do practice Krishna consciousness, even in this life, then we'll become peaceful, sane, happy, even in this life. And even if we have material problems, those problems 
they seem insignificant to one who is practicing Krishna consciousness. Others, they may see problems, oh my problem, so much anxiety. But if we just understand that anyway, what is illness? Everything in this world is temporary. Therefore, let me surrender to Krishna. And we see that the so-called big, big problems, she's not saying, what is, what is the big, big problem? You're chanting Hare Krishna, that means that you're on the path of deathlessness, that whatever problems you have, they're all going to be finished anyway by this chanting of Hare Krishna. You're going to cross over that. So therefore we understand that whatever problem I have, that's only simply due to my identifying with it. Our real problem is how to become purified, how to become Krishna conscious. And how to do that? Shravanam, Ketanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Tadasevanam, Arjanam, Gandhanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanivedanam, Itipamsapita, Vishnu, Bhaktis, Chain, Navarakshana, Kriyita, Bhagavatyata, Tanmani, Dhita, Mutamam. This is the topmost learning. Shalad Maharaj, the great Acharya, he says, what is the great, Hiranyakashipu asked him, what is the best thing you've learned? And he said, this is the best thing I've learned. What is that? That we should worship Lord Krishna, how? By hearing about him, chanting about him, remembering him, serving his lotus feet, Padasevanam, Arjuna, worshipping him in the temple, deity form, offering prayers to him, becoming his servant, becoming his friend, and completely surrendering everything to him. So this Prabhupada is giving a blueprint for a uh, Ishavastya, a God-centered society, in which people live as sane human beings. Everything is there. Marriage is there. Work is there. Dharma, Artha, Karma, Moksha. How to live a religious life, economic development, uh, sense gratification, regulated according to the Vedic principles. Everything is there and ultimately prema kumartho mahan, the goal of life to understand Krishna, to become full of love for Krishna. Everything is there, everything is given in this uh, Vedic society which Prabhupada has envisaged. Now we may think, well, that's all right, but when is it going to happen? I'm here now and I'm not a product of Vedic society, I'm a product of Rakshasa society, and uh, I was brought up as a Rakshasa. This is all our position. So the answer is to stop being a Rakshasa and to start being a devotee, and then naturally everything falls into place. But if we think I'll continue being a Rakshasa, and at the same time I'll be Krishna conscious, then it won't happen. You can't mix the two, chit jaravan. You can't mix the spiritual and the material. To some extent, that is there, just that we see this marriage arrangement, that's, that's got nothing to do actually with spiritual life. Although, if it is done according to regulated principles, if it is done uh, according to the direction of uh, realized persons, then even that, although it's not necessary for spiritual life, but if it is done considering that... Uh, Marriage is a necessary institution in society. Not everyone is ready for the Paramahamsa stage of life. Therefore, uh, marriage should be performed according to Vedic principles for purification. So, in that way, everything, whatever material needs are there, they can be, uh, under the direction of Guru, Sadhu, Shastra, they can be dovetailed in Krishna's service. But we should minimize our material necessities. Not increase, increase more and more. Minimize our material necessities to, and increase our 
Krishna consciousness, increase our spiritual awareness. So Prabhupada wanted to introduce this in society. It's not an easy thing, there's no doubt, because we're all products of Kali Yuga, and it's difficult to overcome our conditioning. It's difficult to uh, change our whole way of thinking, but we have to do it, otherwise we can't become Krishna conscious. As long as we think in terms of, of uh, all the garbage ideas that we were brought up with, then uh, we can't become Krishna conscious. We, we accept guidance, we have to accept guidance from self-realized souls, not from those who are groping in the darkness. So it's difficult, no doubt, to become Krishna conscious. And if we think about uh, establishing Vedic culture, Vedic society, then often we're left with sense wondering, how will we do it, how to do it? But the answer is also very simple. It's not very difficult. The answer is, by the power of chanting the holy names of Krishna, all the inebrities, all the discrepancies can be overcome. This Kala Yoga is full of problems, full of faults. But there is one great quality that simply by chanting the holy names of Krishna, all these difficulties can be overcome. So I may think, well, that's oversimplistic. But it's not. Actually, if we have faith in the holy names of Krishna, then uh, all problems can be overcome by chanting. By the, by the process of Krishna consciousness. But that chanting is not this kind of... It's not that. It's chant, chanting means real chanting. Like a child calling out to the mother. When we actually chant Hare Krishna, when we actually give attention to that, when we study Prabhupada's books very carefully, when we very assiduously uh, engage ourselves in devotional service, when we take to the process of Krishna consciousness, then uh, we get the result. As much as we apply ourselves to Krishna, conscious that much, Krishna reciprocates. We can't think that somehow or other we'll go on in devotional service and we'll make a lot of advancement. We'll make some advancement. Somehow or other, if we remain in devotional life, then we'll make progress. But real progress will come when we very attentively engage ourselves in chanting. This chanting of Hare Krishna, how powerful it is. We read in Prabhupada's books, if we read Prabhupada's books. We read throughout Prabhupada's books, what are the glories of chanting Hare Krishna? By that chanting, all the difficulties can be overcome. In our, communi in our community, we may have different disagreements. Not may have, we will have, definitely, certainly will have. There's no doubt about it. There'll be differences of opinion, Different devotees won't be able to get on so well. This problem, that problem. So we may think, well, we should concentrate on our relationships and have a big discussion about relationships and this and that. But uh, really, Vaishnava relationships, they don't... It's not a matter of sitting down and talking about it. Talking, talking, this, my mind and your mind and how to put it all together. But really, it will come by chanting Hare Krishna together, chanting means chanting and dancing, and ded dedicating ourselves, working hard uh, together in Krishna's service, common goal. What is our common goal? To serve Krishna. 
and then everything will come nicely. And even if there's a little bit this, that, anyway. Chant Hare Krishna. Don't make a big, big thing out of it. So actually, the process of Krishna consciousness very simple, very straightforward. If we simply put Krishna in the center, where he's supposed to be, where he is, Krishna is in the center, but we're always trying to put ourselves in the center. If we put Krishna in the center, chant Hare Krishna, dance, chant anyone who chants attentively 16 rounds, studies Prabhupada's books every day, and engages in Krishna's service, they're not going to have big, big problems. There won't be any problems. All the problems come because we identify with his body and mind. All the problems come because we don't surrender to Krishna. As soon as we surrender to Krishna, what does Krishna say? Manekam Sharanam Raja as soon as we surrender to Krishna, the same thing Bhakti Nautaka says. Jeev Krishna Das, Ebishas, Kalita Ardukanai. Just this one point. If we surrender to Krishna, then everything nice. And if we don't surrender to Krishna, whatever else we may do, whatever half-baked solutions we may bring in, we're never going to be happy. We're never going to be peaceful. We're never going to understand our constitutional position. So this is the, as Prabhupada so many times said, the solution to all problems is simply to surrender to Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question or comment, discussion? Hmm. It means we're not applying the solution. Solution is there, but if we don't apply it, then we won't get the result. We actually have to practice Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada has given so much guidance for married life in his books. If that is followed, then if it's followed, then the first thing will be uh, that there will be no divorce because it's not allowed. So people in Tories that what I can see, all the problems in our society, most of them are generated because devotees are not studying Prabhupada's books. They're not implementing what is in Prabhupada's books. If you study Prabhupada's books, everything becomes very clear. But if you study some getting our consciousness straightened out, because we have a tendency, if we don't hear regularly, if we don't study Prabhupada's books, then our mind, it's like when you're driving, you have to constantly put the, even if you're driving on a straight road, especially if the wheels aren't aligned properly, then you have to constantly bring the, bring the wheels back to you have to adjust the steering wheel. Otherwise you veer off the road. So in the same way, if we don't hear it regularly, if we don't do that adjustment all the time, then our mind goes off, our, our way of thinking goes off on a tangent. So especially Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada's Gita purports, they are just exactly suitable for bringing us back to the basic understanding. We're not this body. We're eternal servants of Krishna. Human life is meant for serving Krishna. It's just best book, just for putting us exactly on line. Therefore, we always recommend, Prabhupada recommended, study his books very carefully. There are many books. They may be read also. 
But unless we understand Prabhupada's books, unless we go through it, unless we're grounded in Prabhupada's books, then we, we may read so many other things, and uh, we may not get the right conception. Even if you, Prabhupada said that, even uh, to understand Bhaktino Thakur, Bhaktino Thakur's books are relatively simple compared to writings of other Acharyas. But uh, Prabhupada is saying, you can't understand Bhaktino Thakur, you have to understand him through me. You, I've seen people, they read Bhaktino Thakur, Jiva Goswami, but they don't study Prabhupada's books, and they come out with all these funny ideas. They don't understand. You can't understand unless you go through Prabhupada, that I've seen. Prabhupada said it, and not only theoretically, but practically we're seeing it. It's a statement of reality. Every, every word in Prabhupada's books is fact, but because we are identifying with this body and mind, Therefore, we think reality is that which is conceived of by my mind. But actually, reality is that which is known by, which is spoken by Krishna. That is reality. So, instead of trying to judge Bhagavad Gita through our own perverted consciousness, we should simply accept this is correct. Whatever else I may think, which is not in the nine line of Bhagavad Gita, we should know immediately it's all nonsense. If we study with that understanding, then we can quickly understand Bhagavad Gita. Whatever I think, it's all rubbish. Because I'm a fool. Guru Mori If we understand what Krishna says, he's not a fool, I am a fool, therefore I have to hear from Krishna. And then, very quickly, we can understand everything in Bhagavad Gita. Is there a loss of to we don't, let's not make everything too complex. Prophet said to read his books, so we should do that. You don't have to have someone to you don't have to read. You read Prophet's books. And you read applying your mind to it. Now there may be also classes and there may be seminars and but it's not that you can't read Bhagavad Gita and understand it. You can. That's why Prabhupada wrote the book and had it distributed all over the world. The thing is, you know, people in Britain, they're very, very, very complex, really, like over-intellectual or something. It's just, always trying to make everything too complex. It's a very simple thing. Read Prabhupada's books. But we, we think, no, oh, it's too easy. I have to... I have to uh, make a computer program and this and that. then I can understand Bhagavad then I can read. No, you just pick it up and read. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Then you don't have to put it through all the things you well, I remember I heard this and Freud said this and Darwin said this and some other rascal said this and what do they, they don't think Krishna is God, maybe he's not God, maybe it's all a bluff. No, I just accept. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is accepted by all authorities such as Devala, Asita, Narad, Vyas, Prabhupada, Bhaktisthan, Sasvata. So they all say, so they must be right. 
And Freud didn't say, well, who cares about him? He's a rascal. So we accept. We accept what is given by the Acharyas. Very simple thing. We simply accept what Krishna says, and everything becomes very simple and easy. But because we are so much accustomed to making everything very complex, that we have have to consider this and that and something else, you don't have to. If all the great Acharyas accept Krishna as God, it's very simple. We just accept also, just like a child asks his father, Father, what is this? This is a tree. Okay, it's a tree. He doesn't argue with him. Well, maybe it's maybe it just appears to be a tree, but actually, uh, actually, it's a cardboard sign from a film prop. No, it's a tree. Your father said it's a tree. It's a tree. So, Guru says Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. He's the supreme personality of Godhead, and you have to just accept, and everything becomes very easy. Otherwise, we'll go on the Manolatam, the chariot of the mind, carried on the chariot of the mind, carried where? Throughout the whole universe, in 8,400,000 species of life. Therefore, Bhajahurayamana, Srivandanandana, Abhaya Charanara Vindura. Simply place our mind, Savayamana Krishna, Padara Vindura. Place our mind at the lotus feet of Krishna. And then all fears, doubts, Delusions, confusions, they all go away. As Prabhupada used to say, what is the difficulty? There's no difficulty, but we invent difficulties. understand that you're not absolute. It's a very simple thing. You're not absolute. You're not the supreme absolute truth. society nowadays. So at this time, we may not be able to do everything exactly according to the society. Vedic culture, girls should be married before the age of puberty. That's illegal in most of the countries of the world nowadays, although uh, I guess it's possible to do it secretly or something, or you could do it but not legally or something like this. But anyway, from what I can see, this is 
this is a very sensitive point, I know, and many people say different things. But um, Prabhupada also made allowance for the fact that it is different society. But at the same time, Prabhupada very much stressed on the, the Vedic principles. They are the actual uh, way in which human society can be conducted to have it relatively peaceful, and Prabhupada wanted to establish this. So, and even from, the, even from the practical point of view, I think we'll find that those who have young daughters, if they, if they arrange the marriage with devotee boy, maybe also who's the son of devotees, then uh, the same thing that Prabhupada was talking about, that then they will feel peaceful, and they won't feel like running around and looking for so many, so many boys. And uh, they'll be uh, chased, they'll be fixed in their marriage. But then the, the parents have to support that all the way through. I saw one of my godbrothers, he was, he had an, he was married to the daughter of a devotee. But then after some time, the mother who had arranged, the mother of the daughter came and took her away and said, I don't want you to live with him anymore. So the parents, they also have to support that, that marriage. And if there are difficulties, they don't just say, okay, now, this is the modern Western solution. There's difficulties in the marriage, okay. <coughs> you have a pain in your eye, okay, cut it out. That's not the solution. The solution is put a little ointment, and then even if there is pain, tolerate it. Because it's your eye. And you, if you cut it out, it's going to be worse. You may think, well, I'll put an artificial eye, I'll put another one back, but it won't be the same. So uh, it, re it requires parents, so actually in, in youth, nowadays the, the kids, they have the idea, I should be independent, and even uh, parents, they encourage that. They, you find children in Kami society, they grow up 18 years old, get out of this house, what are you doing here? You're grown up now, look after yourself. But actually young people, they need even though they have that feeling like, I, I want to uh, show I can do things by myself. So parents have to be sensitive to that, but at the same time they should know that even though the, the kids may not think they do, but they very much need guidance, and they need, gui they need guidance more at this stage of their life than at any other time. It's a very delicate time when you come out from childhood into adult life. So they need guidance more at this time. They need help because the senses in youth are very, very strong, and the desire to enjoy them is very strong, and the, the sensation of sense gratification in youth is very strong, and you feel like you can enjoy your, your body is healthy, whatever you do to it, however you abuse it, whatever kinds of intoxicants you put into it, or whatever you do, the body just, after you, you, it just recovers, and you can go on, but it doesn't, that doesn't, uh, happen forever. We see so many so many people of our generation, their health has been spoiled by indulgence in youth. So really, uh, guidance is needed. And if from a young age, the children, uh, if, if the girls are married, I would recommend that. Because I see that's what Prabhupada recommended. The girls are married young. They have to find, as he said here, Yata, very carefully, the uh, husband has to be selected. And uh, then again, the parents, they, they have to keep on 
supporting the children, helping them, guiding them, even after the marriage. Because it's, it is, it's, uh, many, many people, they, it's just shock all of a sudden, I'm living with this person, I didn't really know them that well, and all of a sudden, this is it, you're here with them. Of course, in Vedic culture, the husband and wife, they never met until the day of marriage. They never saw each other. And now, in, among South Indian Brahmins, they have a thing that, uh, they may just meet each other once. And then, what, what they often do is, the, uh, the parents will arrange for the boy and say, okay, here's three, four girls. You choose one of them. How you choose? You sit with each one of them for ten minutes in the company of both sets of parents. Then you choose one of them. That's that much choice they have. So, uh, it may think, well, how can you get to know them? You should live, you should spend some time, live as friends together for some time. This is the modern idea. They live as friends, but, uh, you don't actually know what someone's like. For, for, you have to make, you have to live with them for quite some time, and then your your consciousness your consciousness may change also. You may you find someone what they're like at twenty. They may be quite different at thirty or forty. So you go into marriage as much as possible with astrological guidance, seeing yatashilam yataruchi. What is the character? What is the taste? But then after you're married, then there's, that's it. That's, now we've made a commitment in front of the deities, in front of the devotees, in front of the fire. We've made a commitment. You have to stick with it. And actually, if you do stick with it, if that commitment is there to stick with it, then, uh, then uh, you'll be satisfied one way or another. Even uh, sometimes we see that, uh, that uh, even, the, even the, they don't get on that well, the husband and wife. Even Prabhupada is saying he didn't, get on very well with his wife, but there was no question of divorce, they stayed together, and in this way the society is somewhat peaceful. Whereas if you, well I didn't like that one, let me try someone else, and then naturally you, you want to find out in, in someone else too, something you didn't like about them, there's no such, in, in astrology, if, if you see, you, you match the chart, there's no such thing as 100% compatibility, there's no such thing, especially in Kali Yuga, it's the age of quarrel. So. Uh, if you just accept, okay, there may be some quarrels, or okay, he may be somewhat nasty, or she may be someone. Anyway, we're married, so at least for the next 25 years, you have to go through that. And that way, uh, society will be stable. And children born of such parents, they know that even if they see them arguing, then that's called Bahu Rambe, Bahu Bhava Rambe, Alaghu Kriya. Dampatya Kolaha, as Chanakya Pandit says, that a husband and wife arguing, that may, may be a big law. I, I, I won't be with you anymore. I, I can't accept you. Oh, 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 oh. And then afterwards, finished. And again, all right, uh, what's the next thing? They'll be again talk, big, big quarrel, big, big words. Then it, but everyone knows that husband and wife arguing, no one bothers. Because this is, uh, in Vedic society, because they know anyway they're husband and wife, they may argue, but they have to go on living with each other. So they, they'll go on. Our modern society is a very diseased society, I must say. Uh, we, should, uh, we should take guidance from what Prabhupada has given us. That will, even though there may be difficulties with it because of the conditions in the modern age, but 
that world, that, that is some guidance from the realized platform, that is some guidance from the same platform. So because we are insane and because society is insane, we may have difficulty adjusting to that. Uh, but we should know that if we follow the guidance given by Vedic authorities, then at least we have some hope of becoming sane. Whereas if, if we think, well, I'm insane and I'm born of an insane, we're living in an insane society, therefore we should also live according to the advice of insane people and according to what they think, that will be sanity, but actually it's insanity. Then we then we'll always remain insane. We should know anyone who's not Krishna conscious is a crazy person. So if we accept their advice, we'll simply remain crazy. Yeah, that's the problem. That's what Prophet said. He said the managers of our movement should see that all the brahmacharis remain brahmacharis and all the brahmacharis get married. And the devotees asked, how is that possible? And Prabhupada said, that's your management problem. Not the what? If you're not constantly putting the wheel back to the right point. because he twists your ear. <laughs> Book you can read. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, I think something else. But the spiritual master will tell you, you think something else, you're a rascal. Stop thinking like that nonsense. No, it's not Krishna consciousness, it's Vedic culture. Krishna consciousness means to be conscious of Krishna. Uh, you have to judge each situation individually. You can't give any blanket you can't give any blanket formula, but still, uh, we, sh we shouldn't just simply take, oh, this, now he's, uh, he's only chanting 15 and a half rounds, immediately throw him out of the house. Divorce. Then, 
rather that one partner should try, if one is falling away or is falling, should try to help them and even stand by them in times of difficulty, knowing that after all, my husband or wife is a devotee, otherwise how are they chanting Hare Krishna before? Now they're in Maya, but they, anyone who's chanted Hare Krishna, they must have some taste for that. So let me try and revive that taste. It may take a little time, I may have to live with their nonsense for some time. One devotee was telling me about uh, one couple he visited in Canada, devotees, and uh, actually the husband, they had three children, they had and have three children, and the husband was pretty much in Maya. He, he wasn't uh, offensive, but he was weak. So anyway, the wife went on, encouraging him, and she went on herself with her Christian consciousness. He didn't stop her from doing it, but himself was weak. And eventually, uh, after some time, he again picked up his Christian consciousness, and now they're, very, they're together doing very nicely. There are many, many cases. I, um, when I was in Russia last year, one lady came to me, and she was having a very hard time from her husband, who was actually a demon. He came to our programs, and he was disturbing our programs. And, you know, it was actually a big deal. She said, well, he's beating me, and this and that. I said, anyway, just try. You, you just try and tolerate. You just try. You give him prasadam. Just try for something. Don't just jump out of the marriage immediately because you have two children and it's very disturbing to them if they're taken away from the, at least the father. Even if he's overly heavy, at least they're getting some discipline from him. That's needed for young boys especially. They need his father to discipline. So anyway, after one of the programs I met him, not exactly met him, he came up to abuse me, but I didn't... I didn't uh, abuse him. I, I uh, actually I embraced him and said, "Actually, you're a devotee." Something like this. So anyway, this year when I came back to that area, I didn't go to that town, but I got the news that uh, now he's also chanting Hare Krishna. So it's not impossible. Nothing's impossible. I, I get actually many letters talking about counseling. I get many letters and. Uh, this kind of thing. And it's often, you know, my husband, he's not, he's not Krishna conscious enough what to do, and, or my wife isn't Krishna conscious, or my grandmother, or this, or that, or some. And uh, always I say, don't just be patient. Go on chanting Hare Krishna. I give some part of the Bhagavatam to read. This will give you some guidance, especially these chapters in the third canto. And, uh, in almost all cases I've seen that where the party who feels themselves being offended or tortured or whatever, they simply become patient and peaceful in their mind. And then the other person, they respond to that. Often one, one may be, the husband and wife may be torturing each other mentally or even physically. Uh, but if one stops doing that and actually becomes more Krishna conscious, the other one also responds, and they also become inspired to become more Krishna conscious. So, uh, actually another thing, someone was asking me, how can you give advice on family life? You know, we're married. So then I quoted from Prabhupada, Upadesha Amrita Prabhupada, which says, which says that there are two ways of learning, one is by hearing and one is by experience, and the more intelligent person learns by hearing. 
So if you read all these things in Prophet's books, and you simply repeat them according to the situation, and it's the best advice. I don't have to, I don't have to be hit over the head by a hammer to understand that uh, being hit over the head by a hammer isn't very good. Uh, but if someone thinks that being hit over the head by a hammer is very nice, I can tell them. One of the partners is? Yeah, this is a common question, and I give the same answer. That uh, breaking the marriage is, uh, is uh, just breaking it off is a, uh, it's very strong action. It's better to try and reform. Try and reform. It's not impossible. And like I say, I've seen many cases where reform has come by the partner who is being abused becoming more Krishna conscious. You may have to tolerate. For some time, Prabhupada's sister, she was initiated devotee, her husband was a fish eater. Most Bengalis are fish eaters. So she tolerated. She cooked fish for him every day. She tolerated. And eventually, after many years, he repented. <laughs> 